Hello and welcome to Need2Go. Need2Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need2Go. Hi, welcome to another episode of Need a Go. We're excited to have listeners and we're excited to continue this professional learning opportunity for members and beyond. So in celebration of the Hour of Code Week coming up December 9th through the 15th, I'm thrilled to have Lisa Bohati here as a guest. She's got a lot of experience with computer science and code.org and so I'm excited to have her here. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much. Do you want to just share a little bit um, about yourself, a little bit about your background? You're a Anita board member, but beyond that, you know, in your day-to-day life with computer science and, and just the yes. tech world and responsibilities, do you want to just give us some insight on that and we'll get going with our questions? Sure. Um, I've been teaching computer science now for five years. Um, I taught K through five as a specialist um, at Lincoln and now I am at East Butler, and I'm teaching 7th through 12 computer science and tech integration. So I just have a strong passion for um, introducing kids to computer science and building that computational thinking knowledge that can really help them learn how to problem solve and um, learn those skills. Um, so computer science is one of the fastest growing fields, so I just have a strong passion to help kids learn that. Um, awesome. As you said, Computer Science Week is coming up. It's December 9th to the 15th. Um, this is a week devoted to learning more about coding. Um, it's actually in honor of Grace Hopper's birthday, which is December 9th. So that's kind of an interesting fact. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, an hour of code is really um, developed through code.org. And it's this huge global movement that reaches tens of millions of students. Um, and so they have tons of tutorials and just one hour coding activities that you can do. Hmm. Very cool. And we talked before the podcast a little bit. When did Hour of Code, like when did this movement start? How many years has this been going on? Um, I believe it started in 2015. So it's been going now for four years. So, and it's growing momentum every year. More and more students are doing it. Now there's millions of kids doing it every single year. I think I agree with you. I think it is growing a lot. I see more teachers using it in my district and beyond. And I think that's the the purpose of this podcast is to have you share and and have our listeners hear how easy it is to incorporate, get some ideas of how to bring it to your classroom and bring it to your schools, um, knowing that we're all, you know, bombarded with lots of responsibilities with standards and things like that. But this just is a great way to address those kinds of learning opportunities, whether it's ISI standards or other standards in, in different ways. Um, each year they have a theme. Is that right, Lisa? Yeah. This year, the theme is um, Learn Computer Science, Change the World. And it's really about being creative and showing your creativity. Um, last year, they had a big dance party um, that they came out with. So continuing on with the dance party is just really being creative. Um, and you'll see Code.org does an awesome job of um, sharing lessons and tutor with the tutorials and videos that you can watch. And so this year, there's 
famous people doing videos about being creative. And so actually Google CS First has a new um, tutorial this year called Code Your Hero. And so there's videos to help you learn how to do all of the steps of that. So it's pretty awesome. I like how the whole idea of Hour of Code, it really does get students involved in like the, the ISTE standards for students as they work right. to be computational thinkers. Yep. Um, there's even a level of global collaboration, yep. communicating, whatever, however you bring it in. But I just think that's a, a great way to bridge that in um, if you're using the ISTE standards. Yep, yep. One of the other big questions, and I'm sure you hear it a lot, is code seems, the word code, when you talk to some teachers about coding, it seems so daunting and overwhelming. And it's kind of scary to say, I, I, and teachers will sometimes say that they can't do that or they're not, I don't want to say they can't because we always, we don't want people to feel like they can't do something. It's more of like that comfort level. Yeah. Yep. So in general, generally speaking, how do you respond when teachers say, you know, do I need experience in coding to host the hour of code or do I need this experience to even have this opportunity or put these things on my iPads? Or um, you don't have to know anything about coding, um, code.org and there's over 200 tutorials that really have set up that they're self-guided tutorials and they give the kids step-by-step -step directions and they help them learn each step along the way. And so as a teacher, you just go ahead and go to code.org and click try hour of code and it gives you how to set it up and it shows you videos and it even gives you videos to use as an introduction to students. Um, so if you're gonna try it out this year, I would totally try it out. Um, start small, just try with uh, like one or two of the activities and go from there. Just find one that you're really comfortable in and try it yourself and then um, the kids will love it. The kids get so excited and if they've never done coding, it's so fun for them to learn those skills and to see that excitement on their face is so worth it. I can speak from experience, I remember starting the hour of code, I don't know, four or five years ago and trying to implement it with students. And I was one of those scared people as well. I had a little, little bit of experience um, in some of my grad courses and undergrad, but I started with uh, Codable yep. and I put the app on my personal iPad and it just opened my eyes to, to the, the conditionals and the variables and just the grit Yes, the grit that kind of comes along with it because you just keep trying and trying and trying again and there's just that natural level of success when they get through things and so that's kind of where I started and I've kind of been hooked from there but the other thing when you talk about how easy it is to go in with the hour of code and the resources um, I was looking through some of the one page or handouts and there's you know just posters and like you said videos and things that you can download you can, they encourage you to connect with experts. They encourage you to invite your community in to showcase how you're doing these things that do connect to real world skills um, mm -hmm. and things that really apply to students outside of the classroom. So I yep. think the resources when you go to like promote the hour of code, there are so many how-to guides and posters that you can just print out and share uh, with teachers. Again, yeah. making it that just an easy process and not so scary. Yeah. Yes, and they even have stickers that you can give and certificates. So when you finish your hour of code, it prints out a certificate that you can print with the kid's name on it and everything. So it gives them that sense of accomplishment too. So, One of the other 
questions sometimes that you get is about grade levels. And that could even expand to like subject areas, you know, is code just for like math and science? Is it just for high school? Um, When you're promoting it, what grades or maybe subject areas can join in in the hour of code? Well, really everybody, like the hour of code is designed for all grade levels um, from pre-K all the way up to 12th grade. Um, Like you said, Codable is such a great um, app to use with the pre-K and the kindergartners because it just uses arrows. Same with the um, CodeSpark has a game called The Foos and it has those has no words and so it's a great place to start with those young kids but then there's also tons of ones that have um javascript and python and all the different coding languages in there for the high schoolers and in the hour of code there is a website that they've created it's just www.hourofcode.com and then backslash learn the word learn Now, this is the site that you would go to, and this is the main page of Hour of Code. And this is where all the tutorials are. So there's, you can even um, click on math or science or language and sort it by your subject area, or you can sort it by your grade level. So this is the place that has the 200 different tutorials to help you get started. So whether you're a math teacher or a language arts teacher, go in there and select your grade level and sort it by your subject level that you're really looking at and find one that fits your needs because Hour of Code is for everyone and that's what it's meant to be. I would agree. That's a good, that hourofcode.com slash learn, that's a great resource. You know, in addition to the tutorials, that's a great resource and a great way to sort it out to find exactly what you're looking for. Right. Yep. Yep. And one final question that I think is really important to address. Sometimes we assume that to participate in the Hour of Code, you have to have access to one-to-one technology. Yeah, right. And we we know this isn't true, but can you enlighten our listeners on a little bit of how that, into, you know, how does that apply to them if they don't have one-to-one technology or even if they do? And, you know, do we have to be on the technology all the time in order to participate? And that's another thing. There's activities called unplugged activities. And this is where you're actually not using any devices at all. And you're learning some of those computational thinking, such as algorithms and the step-by-step directions. And so you're doing that without a computer at all. And even on that Hour of Code website, there is some unplugged activities. And way over on the left side, you can sort by whether you have computers or whether you have an iPad or you have no devices, so that's where you would choose those unplugged. And if you're not one-to-one, you could always use some paired programming. And paired programming is where you have two computers on one device, or two students on one device. And so this is where they partner up and they help each other. And um, there's videos about pair programming even that you can show the students. And so um, this is a great, great way to build some social and some collaboration and some of those skills. So even if you don't have enough devices, go ahead and try it with the ones that you have or try some unplugged activities. Definitely. And I think, you know, in closing, Lisa, one of the things that I know you and I talk about and promote is, you know, the Hour of Code is meant to promote everyone across the nation spending at least an hour throughout that week in coding. But ideally, the whole idea is to introduce and keep and start the momentum for something that could go on year long and year round. Yep. 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 And that's one of the best part about hour of code is kids get excited. They want to keep coding and 
code.org actually has free professional development for teachers. And so this year, part of NIDA's vision is to offer more of this professional development opportunities. So this year we're partnering with code.org and we're gonna offer that half day workshop. And that's gonna be that Wednesday before NIDA starts in the spring. And so awesome. this is a great way. This will be for teachers to come for free and it's only, it's a half day. So it's 12 to six. So you would only have to take that half day off of school and you can come and you can learn. And it's really meant for classroom teachers to learn how they can bring some of those computational thinking skills and some of those coding activities into their classroom, even if they're not a computer science teacher. Awesome. Just another way to promote that idea of coding all year long. Right. You know, spend the time with the Hour of Code in December, bring it to your classroom throughout the spring, and then some um, tiered professional development coming up in March at the conference. Yes. Definitely right. worth checking into. So. Yes. Yes, I think that kind of covers it for us for this episode. Again, if you uh, need resources or need information, you can find our contact information on the website. Uh, Lisa is an awesome resource, which is why I wanted to make sure she was highlighted on this podcast. Definitely has um, resources she can share, and, and she's definitely happy to, if you reach out, to get that information to you. So again, yes. um, it's hourofcode.com slash learn. Any other last tips or things before we close out this episode, Lisa? I think just go try it, play with it and learn about coding and don't be scared. It was my best advice. Yes, definitely. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in to this latest episode of Need to Go. We hope you enjoyed and took away some ideas to move forward with your own hour of, court, hour of code activities in your school or your um, district.